Hi, I'm Garrett, and welcome to The Conversation. I think conversation is one of the most important tools we have for building and maintaining genuine relationships. In the age of the internet and social media, the conversation is a dying art. While we're technically more connected than ever, it seems more difficult than ever to engage with alternative perspectives in a meaningful way. We talk past each other and speak totally different languages without even knowing it. This show is my attempt at working on that problem. I'm trying to learn how to have meaningful conversation and practice what I learn. It's partly an experiment. Maybe if I start having more difficult conversations, I can get better at it. Maybe we can all get better at it. I don't know how this experiment's going to turn out, but hey, this could be interesting. Uh, you, a second ago, we were even talking about um, Pilgrim's Progress. You said you read that like eight times? Nine times, I think. Nine times. It's <laughs> a particular number. Mm-hmm. But like, that's a, yeah, that's a very symbolic and allegorical book. Yeah, I was, I was wanting to get on the journey to that celestial city. That was my goal from the time I was like probably 11 you know, I, I was asking my dad after I read the book, okay, how do I get on the, the road to the celestial city? And he'd always be like, it's a spiritual road. And I'm like, well, can I just go out to the end of the driveway and turn right and, you know, start walking? And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but that's, that's in my heart kind of what I wanted. So I think, I don't know, you know, the Bible says that um, – no man can come unless a spirit draws him. But I think there must have been something going on either from within me because I knew that was the way I was supposed to go or because God was drawing me, but something was going on that... Um, what? Like, you encouraged me to read that, I don't know, when I was like 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we we got like a kid's version of the story. Yeah, I still get it at my office, actually. So I think I read a couple different kids' versions of it, and then I think... I heard like the adventures in odyssey one okay yeah but it even though i thought it was kind of interesting it didn't like come alive for me in the same way i think as it did for you like what why do you think that landed so much for you well i think now that you've gone personally now that you've gone as far as you've gone in life like you've really studied a lot of philosophy listened a lot about jordan peterson like you've listened to a lot of his ideas I think if you were to reread the adult version of that and then see, see this symbolism because I mean John Bunyan lived like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago so but in his book he's got so many um, you know of the things that are taught in the Bible but from a different perspective right so I think you would probably get a lot more out of it I like I always uh, I thought it was quite an interesting when you know as this guy pilgrim starts out he goes he leaves this terrible place the city of destruction and starts heading towards you know heaven the celestial city but all the struggles he has and all the people who try to turn him around and then going through the the slough or the swamp yeah i remember that yeah. yeah like i i can so relate to that what so what is that like i i that's a very memorable part of the story for me but i don't remember i, I don't 
I can't, I don't understand why, why do you hit a swamp when you first start trying to kind of head to the celestial city? Well, there's all kinds of doubts and doubts don't generally make me feel real happy. Doubts make me feel <laughs> like, uh, you know, they're discouraging. Like, am I, am I doing the right thing? Like I'm, maybe this is a lousy place where I'm at, but I have no idea if this place that I'm going to is going to be any better. And, you know, other people are like, you're an idiot to go there. Right. And that's, I think pretty typical. Like when you, when you're in the way you've always gone and then you start going a different way, unless, you know, my life wasn't terrible. I mean, at nine, 10 years old, I wasn't a drug addict or anything like that. Um, maybe vitamin C, but, uh, no, it was just, but the, I think that, and I also, one of the things I think that um, affected me a lot was I would, I saw my dad who never seemed to have much joy. Because mm. um, my dad, I don't feel like my Do you, dad. You had like, I need to get somewhere better than, than where he's Yeah, at. like I often said when I looked at my dad, if that's what true Christianity is, I don't really want it because there's no joy mm. in this. But then when I met, you know, and I became a Christian when I was 16, but when I saw other people, they were like so full of joy and stuff like that. Mm. And then I saw my father-in-law and he was like silly with joy, you know? And it was like, there was this world where my dad was very, very serious and had almost no joy. And my father-in-law, he's like, you know, so unserious that, you know, he'd be the best person to have at a funeral because he'd liven it up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because he's just, he's, he's yeah, always yeah. full of joy. So that was, I think the two different. So, it's, But it's, it sounds like it's almost just a temperamental difference that you are looking for. Well, I, I feel like if your theology is only good for eternity then it's not a good theology it's got to be practical for this planet and that's what i was kind of looking for well is that i mean okay i i guess i can see practically that yeah that so papa was a lot more a lot more joyful a lot more yeah but like i feel like when i used to hear him preach it was like it was a very classic um evangelical sermon like Oh yeah, it was you, like five minutes. It was five minutes, and it, but it wasn't about something that affecting you right now. It wasn't about freedom in the moment, or like it, it wasn't about stepping into something. It was about eternity still. Right. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, when he preached, it was just always like, if you recognize that you're sinful, then you can turn around and uh, give your sin to God and he'll forgive you. And then you can begin a walk towards eternity without the weight of your sin on you. So from my perspective, it was a practical theology. Like it was like, if you're yeah. carrying the weight. Okay. Of sin. I, I, and I think that's just that, that story about, or like that, that understanding about what, you know, being saved is there's, there's, there obviously must be some utility to that. <laughs> I think well, I just got kind of bored I guess with that message because like I felt like it was missing so much as far as like it it was just so focused on on afterlife well 
I don't know. I guess you can hear you can hear things differently yeah. depending on where you're at. From my perspective, like I always going back to the Pilgrim's Progress, felt myself That's a journey, yeah. Yeah, with this this load of sin on my back. Like Though always. even in that story it's still very much like a particular Okay, so so it's still kind of riffing on that same idea though of like there's a particular moment where you lay down your burden and it falls off and then you're just like or does like a burden show up again later on in the story? It's like no. after that, the burden's just gone. At the that, cross. Because that, there, it seems like there's a sense in which that that narrative sort of makes sense. Like there's, there's moments in life where like suddenly, you know, a big weight that you're carrying, you, it comes off and you're a lot lighter. But it's like, it always seems to come back again in in, in my experiences. Like there's, a, there's always a new burden to have to lay down again. And so like a, when you make the story... You tell a story like that that just says like you know on your way on your way to the the better place you're gonna there's gonna be a critical point where you can lay down your burden and it's all gone from there well i i think what you're seeming to refer to is like there is one um there is one transaction that takes place in the journey where everything seems to change right like you change, you change somewhat when you leave the city of destruction and you start the the, the journey, right? But you're st- you you've got this heavy backpack on, and as you go through the wicked gate, or the wicked gate, whatever you what it was called, and wicked, you, yeah. yeah, and then you go through. So straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to uh, life, and few there be that find it. Right? You go through that gate, and you're on this journey, but it seems like, you, it's like the evangelical mindset is just like. You know, someone shows up in the city of destruction and says, hey, you want to know Jesus? Here, just do this, you're done. And it's like Bunyan seems to talk about more of a a process of, you know, going through uh, despair, learning things, and on your way, then coming to a place where you come to the cross, and then you surrender your will, and you surrender your way, and you give your sin to God. And when he takes it off and you get a revelation of Christ then that's when the burden comes off but there's not a and i think on the way to the cross there was vanity fair where uh or i'm not sure if vanity fair was no i think i think vanity fair was after the cross where you could get you could get tangled up in kind of like the parable of the sower right where some seed came up and got tangled up i think that's what the the vanity fair is like in you know, I mean, just think when once you get rid of your sin, there's still a lot of things that can pull you away from the right way that you're supposed yeah. to walk. So, I mean, that's that's why that story doesn't make sense to me. Is that like you get rid of your sin, but then it's right there again? It's possible uh, for you to get tangled up in sin again. But I mean, to like look at your life, look at my life. Yeah there's still plenty of ways in which we are entangled with like a lack of perfection. There's plenty of right. things that we're still struggling with. Right. And I think the, the difference between from my perspective is when you, um, like in the Bible, it doesn't say when we sin, it says if we sin, there is an advocate once, okay. once you're a believer. And so my understanding of scripture is that 
sin may occur, but it doesn't become a pattern that we continually follow. And so, you but know, like, okay, from my perspective on sin, it's like, so if if you want to get like really technical about what what, sure. what a sin is, and we've, I think we've done this a couple of times already. That's right. But like, so sin is not just intentionally deciding to do something that you know is evil. Correct. Right? Sin is falling short. Right. It's a stumble. It's a stump. But so, is everything that's falling short is that a sin? Well. Is that like go, the category I, of what I, well, sin is? Well, I go, I go more towards walking, right? When you're a child and you're learning how to walk, you stumble, you stumble, you stumble, you stumble. Mm -hmm. Your parents are come on, you can do this, you can do this. Eventually you start walking and you hardly yeah. stumble at all. So but once you learn... Walking is a particular skill or a particular system that you learn right. to do. Yeah. But learning new systems, learning new skills, learning new activities, that's something you continue to do your entire life. So mm -hmm. as soon as you're being a human and learning things, because that's what humans are supposed to do, you're constantly sinning because that's part of learning a new thing. See, right? I don't, I don't, I don't look at learning new things as sinning like that. That so doesn't. Why not though? Well, because you I mean, just said it's not just intentional sins. It's like it's just any any falling short of perfection. No, 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 no. What I mean is when you're walking, right? So when you're learning to walk I, in that analogy, when you're learning to walk as a kid, right? And we were to say, that's like living the Christian life. You're learning how to do that or whatever. And when you reach the place where you actually know how to walk now. So that would seem... Okay. So, that we're, would, that so would, we're saying learning would, how to be a Christian, that's sort of like a, a skill that once you, like you learn how to do it and then you're, that you're, you're doing it. Now you're a Christian and you know how to do it and you should basically not stumble. You know how to be a Christian now. Yeah, I guess the analogy falls apart in that <laughs> sense because because um, it's actually, um, I mean, from different people's perspectives, you're in a wheelchair and God takes you out and enables you to walk. Okay. Right? So that's that's what, that would, I guess, but be a better... Distilling Christianity down to just like something right. as simple as walking is like being a good Christian or like, I don't know, like being like Christ, is, is that sort of what being a Christian is? I would say, yeah, that's the goal, right? Is to emulate him. Right. But like, it's just, the, yeah, the, the, it's, the idea of sin is really confusing to me because if 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 sin is, is just any mistake that you make, then Jesus obviously sinned. He obviously tripped when he was learning how to walk. He obviously, you yeah. know, didn't know how to, how to hold his breath underwater when he swam right away, when he was learning how to swim and probably, you know, choked on some water. <laughs> yeah, if... If you, I think it's, I'm just going to look this up for a second, but I think it's in Galatians. Uh, there's a... Like, do you have any thoughts on this, Evan? Do you have any a better definition on what sin is? Can I do some Googling? Yeah, I used to be able to read without my glasses. And active like, offense against God. It's an, oh, it's an active offense against God. There, maybe that's a good definition. Yeah, it says, so in, in Galatians 5, verse 19, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So these are things that I would say are more classified as sin. Not when you stumble, like if you're walking and you trip. That's not. But so, so it only works as a definition when you get more vague and abstract. Because no, 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 I don't know what right. my sinful nature is. Well, just well, this is what I'm going to talk. <clears throat> I'm going to say a sinful nature is very clear. 
sexual immorality, okay. impurity, lustful pleasures, impurity, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like those are things that you know, like these are things that we should not do. You shouldn't envy, right? You shouldn't. Um, okay, but let's break down one of those to like, a, it's really fundamental principles what it's about. So idolatry. Okay. Okay. So that's being like, that's worshiping one thing more than it ought to be worshiped. Right? Well, I would say worshiping anything but God. Well, okay, so then let's break down worship then. Worship would just mean uh, stating or doing something that, that um, affirms something's worth. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying. Like if I say, hey, I'm not going to throw this cup on the ground, I'm going to give it some value, mm -hmm. so I'm giving it worth. Right. So because I didn't break this, I worship this cup? Well, that's not really... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that that... It, it, I mean, it, it sounds kind of funny, but I think that that... that from right. a technical perspective, and I'm trying to trying to do this technically for a second. I think right. that makes sense. Yeah. So, but, so you want to say that worshiping anything is like putting it at the top? Is that what worship is? Putting any, I would say, you can like, if you you remember in the Ten Commandments, it says you should have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Right. So whatever you make God is what you worship. So if you put anything above well, see, God... See, but even within that command, the way yeah. I read it is that you shall have no other gods before me. Not that you shall have no other gods. Right. Meaning you shall have other gods. Right. And if you're and if you're talking about worship, a cup right. having worth, then maybe, yeah, this is a cup that I'm going to give worth to. And I'm right. going to... Your stereo and your computer, I'm going to give worth to them. I'm not going right. to damage or destroy them. So I'm going to hold them... Right. So, in, the, so the way I kind of understand that command about idolatry is that while you should value all the things within creation and all the, right. all the entities, all the people, all the right. institutions and the systems, you should make sure that they are all under God right. and like submitted to him. I would, I, right? would, so like I, think, is, I think that's okay. So, but I mean, to further extrapolate is like, I think that idolatry is worshiping anything more than you ought to worship it. So like... Well, I think that that breaks, falls down because I mean should you have more respect for your uh, computer than you do your coffee cup? Probably, because right. if you break your computer... Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so if I'm valuing my... So just to follow that kind of silly example, yeah. if I'm valuing my, my coffee cup more than my computer and both of them are about to fall off a cliff and I go for the coffee cup, it's like, that was kind of dumb. Right. That's that's a weird coffee cup idolatry. It's like I'm worshiping that thing more than I ought to. My, my right. sense of the worth of these things is kind of messed up. I'm not understanding right. the difference in value between. Well, and that properly. can and that can also break down into so many different things because when you think about, you know, if your kid's going to fall off the cliff or your computer, like, what are you going to choose? Computer, right? probably. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why you don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have kids, so right. But I once you have them, <laughs> maybe your your wife will probably never let you hold them now that she's heard this podcast. <laughs> she's like, no, she I, listen to this I remember one. that podcast. He will not be holding my children. Uh, yeah. So, okay, but so 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 so, I don't think that when you put a value on something like when you, it's it's like. If you wash your car, right? <clears throat> Is it because you're worshiping your car or you're taking care of it, right? And same with 
me. Like I, I have uh, much nicer hair than you, um, but I don't have to take care of it like you do. Like you have to wash yours, wax it, straighten it, curl it, whatever you do to it in order to look <laughs> as good as you do. But I just look good like all the time. Right? I don't know where you're going with this at all. Well, so, but some people like, obviously guys, we don't take care of our, our being generally the same way girls do. Girls will sit there and you say, hey, we're going to go out. And they're like, okay, okay sure. in an hour, we're going to go because I've got a I've got a procedure up. that needs to be yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, right, whatever it is. And so do they worship their looks? I think they take more um, care of that, right? Mm -hmm. That means much more to them. Mm -hmm. So, but is that an idol? Well, the, I think it's an idol when it's, when it's, when the worth placed in it is out of perspective, where it's not aligned right. with kind of well, that comes God's back. Evaluation that goes back to though, um, to I think partly that scripture that says, "Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think." Not to think nothing of yourself, like you know, when I, someone says to you, "Hey, Garrett, you did a great job on that song." Oh, that's nothing, man. I'm just a worm, right? Or right. you say, "No, yeah, I did a good job." Like uh, that being but thinking so thinking properly about what you know that you did a good job if 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 that is a sin then though to have your to be making a mistake in your evaluation of anything in reality i don't think that that's a sin i okay, said no, when you idolatry. when no when you make anything higher than god that is idolatry okay but w when you misvalue things in accordance like 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 you you let the computer go rather than the coffee cup uh, I think it's was that a sin? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, so what if I what if I let the kid? Let's do the the, the kid and the computer. Yeah. If, if I you let the, computer, the kid go. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> was that a sin? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why is it a sin? Because you uh, that kid is created in God's image, right? And you just allowed a human to die. Mm -hmm. So indirectly, I would say that you valued your computer more okay, than so, someone who is created in the image of god okay so so I, it's it's about the valuing thing then <laughs> is 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 it i think i think that's one of the reasons why i said when it comes to people i think it's different than things so but it, it's sort of an arbitrary you kind of feel out the line for when it becomes a sin and when it's not a sin and I, okay, I'm, that's not an accusation i i think that that's <laughs> i'm just trying to figure out where you're going because i'm thinking <clears throat> okay like it's like when people ask me, can you spend time with me? And there's some people I'm like, no, I'm not going to spend any time with you uh, because you're um, a person who doesn't respect time. They don't, you don't respect my time. You don't respect my boundaries, you know, that type of thing. So if I draw good boundaries, I don't think that's wrong, but I need to be kind to everyone. The, the point that I'm trying to make is just that in everything, we never, uh, like... I'm saying sin or not sin is not a, a, a Boolean variable in that it's not a true or false. It's not a, you know, right now I'm not sinning and then I am sinning. It's always a percentage amount of like, now I'm skewing a little bit more towards sin and now I'm skewing to more, more towards being acceptable to God. And so I, I don't feel like he is. It's like, like I, I think that something really becomes definably a sin when it's just like obvious that you need to work on that. It's like, I think everything, if you want to push it to the really comparison to absolute perfection, you know, and I think there's biblical backup for this statement too, is just like 
every single thing that you do is broken. You're kind of, you're, you're fallen in every aspect of your being. Okay. That's, that's kind of where I'm trying to go is that in everything that you do, because you're not doing it perfectly, you're always sinning. You're literally never not sinning. See, when I go back to that list of things in, in, um, I think those are more clearly defined, but when we start to talk about value we place on things, so idolatry is the one you were going to. So if I value my, and I guess that's a difficult one because when you value your um, your wife or anything more than you value God, right, mm-hmm. then that would be idolatry. Is it just more than you value God or more than you value God's evaluation of things? Because if it's about respecting God's way, and God's, you know, God's God's model for life or God's valuation of things, then yeah, every time that you you don't, you know, value things the way God would, mm-hmm. you're rejecting God's way and doing things your own way. So what if God and your kid fell off the cliff? <laughs> and you chose God. <laughs> There's the real questions. I would probably, you know, just pray to God to save uh, That's a good question. So Jesus falls, <laughs> Jesus falls, and your kid falls, and who are you going to grab, right? That was a, that was a, that was well, a, you know, I, I have the sense that if Jesus falls, it might save me from my sins. <laughs> so maybe I'll save my kid. There you go. Yeah, so you would grab your kid because I'm like, you're on your own, Jesus. You already to- you were already told not to put your not to do that with the angels. They're got your charge over you, right? And you were told not to do that. You knew that, and you jumped anyway. So it's your own problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's a fun rabbit trail we could go down. But. No, but, but I, I, yeah. So what you're saying is. Are we always sinning? Like right now, I'm not praying. I'm not reading the Bible. I'm not studying. I'm not listening right. to good teaching. I'm just in this crazy conversation with this guy who thinks he's a philosopher. <laughs> and, you know, is that a sin to spend my time doing this? No, I don't think it is. I think... Well, okay, so that's why... So, so I think sin then is just... Sin isn't a, a technical word. I think sin is more of a practical word of this is something that you need to work on. Yeah, so like I, everything is less than perfect that you're doing. That, that's all the point I'm trying to make is that literally there's no time in your life where you've acted in a perfect way. Me, I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at you. I was no, no, as, we, we, yeah. we, yeah, like whatever. Anyone who wants to say, I'm a follower of Christ, mm-hmm. I, I lived a day that I didn't miss God's perfect plan for my life yeah Yeah. is there people who've done that yeah so i guess that goes back to what we were talking about yesterday when we talked about is being um is it positional or is it is holiness as it were well that's so like whenever you start talking about things like positional holiness or positional freedom or things like that it's like it, it it's kind of it's disconnected from practical reality and it's more of a story that you're supposed to kind of engage with and be able to see yourself in, but it's not talking about something that technical anymore. Well, I think it can, it can, the, what you, what you technically believe or here's me a little closer. Yeah. What, what you like, I, 
I go back to the story of the slave on the plantation that I've told many, many times, right? Mm -hmm. What you believe affects your position in life, right? Like, so if you and I believe we're both slaves and we live on a plantation in South Carolina and all we do is pick cotton all day and never get paid and all that stuff, right? Our belief system is affecting our behavior and is causing us to live in a place where we're not free. But that isn't necessarily truth that's driving our belief system. It's a lie that's causing us to live in a place of, you mm -hmm. know, plantation living. So I'm not sure um, if that goes along with every part of life, like everything that we do wrong is based on a lie, right? Is that what, is that what well, happens? That's the thing is I don't, I think there's probably a couple different places we can go with this, but I, I, I need, I'm still trying to process it. So let's maybe go down as many of them as we need to. Well, is, 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 is like what the Bible says in John 8 verse 32 um, or 31, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So if we truly want to be free, then the truth will make us free. So then where is the truth found? And I believe the truth is found in the Bible. And truth is Christ and the truth. So, cause Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. So I believe when you find Christ, you find truth and that knowing Christ and relationship with Christ makes us free. And I don't know that it's necessarily as complicated as maybe we, I even make it. Maybe I, I, you know, I have put way too many things on that. Some people are just like, you know, Christ, you're free. Don't worry it's about just all like stuff. That, that's such an abstract, like story version. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, Christ. It's like, I don't know what that means. I feel like that can mean something totally different to everybody who says it. Mm -hmm. Like I know Christ. Like, that's where, where you have a, where you have a, we, in the evangelical mindset, they say we have a personal relationship with Christ. Right. Which so like, what is, what does I, that mean? Exactly. I, I, I've heard that so many times growing up, but I don't, I, so it's like is it viewing Christ as a person. Yeah, I think so. Like, like for, I, I have tried this and I'm, I, I would say I don't, I'm not great at it, but sometimes I'll get up in the morning and I would be. You know, I got my cup of tea mm -hmm. and uh, I'll have the Bible or something, but then I'll just sit there and I'll sit down and I will imagine mm -hmm. that Christ is sitting just like you are. Yeah. And then I'll just have a chat with him as it were. And I mean, it's kind of weird because I'm talking to an empty chair, mm -hmm. but I know from the Bible, a so lot of what what's, he says. What's going on there? Are you like, cause I do that sometimes I'll sit there and I'll go on a walk and I'll emulate somebody. I'll pretend I'm talking to Angie or I'll pretend I'm talking to Evan and I'll have a conversation because it's like, I can, I can do a decent amount of that conversation on my own. And I kind of, it's like, I know Evan well enough yeah. to like, to do some of that conversation. Mm -hmm. Is there like, is that sort of like, are we just kind of like getting to know the Bible and getting to know the accounts of, of Christ's life and his teachings well enough that we can emulate him well in a, in a conversation with ourselves? Yeah, I don't know exactly what goes on spiritually then, because like I say, it's not something that I do all the time, but sometimes I do get a sense, like if I just start talking or I just wait a while and then, I don't know, like I can, 
I can sense um I can sense something sometimes mm-hmm. coming into the room. And it's not like maybe it's my imagination. I it's I I can't say that it's not my imagination or it is. But like and the funny thing from my perspective is like even if it is your imagination, it's like that's that shouldn't necessarily be a derogative thing or a way of explaining. It's like if God uses your imagination to speak to you, like <laughs> why does right. that matter? Well, I mean, when you have a vision or something like that, like some people would say, I'm not sure if I was there, you know, when you have a vision, what actually happens? Like you're yeah. seeing something that isn't there. I remember when Oma died, right? And it was funny, I was talking I to Mama. Had this, yeah. Did I... No, I mean the night she oh, died. Had, okay, yeah, yeah. We, my dad and I were in there, and we had, um, we had just sung "Amazing Grace" and we'd prayed, and then about probably five minutes, maybe ten minutes before she died, she had absolutely no strength whatsoever, mm-hmm. and then she sat up and she started looking into the corner of the room, mm-hmm. and she must have seen something. Yeah. Oh man, the, but we that could, kind of stuff. We couldn't see it. Like my dad and I couldn't see it. We're like looking and we're like, she was seeing something. And so there was something happening there uh, that, you know, we would think the death, the death angel or, you know, mm-hmm. the, the angels coming like to take that, her yeah. to heaven or if she's going to hell, <laughs> you know, whatever. I believe she went to heaven yeah. and I think I told you why. Yeah. But something was there. And that was like, Stuff like that, when that happens to me, it's like, you know, I I think I'm probably like most people, like I believe in God and I follow him and I serve him, but sometimes I wonder, come on, is this really, really true, right? I think anyone who's a real thinking person will always have those questions. Mm-hmm. They just, I don't blindly just follow all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like... Does this make any sense? It, well, it's but just... So, the, like the problem is that it doesn't make any sense. It's not like a... It's well, you can't logical. scientifically prove stuff. Like right. That. It's like that's the wrong angle to approach it from. And like, even though I like would would outright say I'm not exclusively a materialist, I still every time I'm trying to think things through, I I fall into that scientific approach of just like thinking, you know, how could this happen on a really biological level? It's like I get frustrated with people doing that all the time, but it's just like that. I don't know. That's it. Seems like that's the way you think about stuff. Because to me, like when we when we try to like get really technical and think about like theology, like you were just talking about, that almost always falls apart for me pretty quick. Because it's like I start asking questions to myself, like I was just asking you, where it's like I can't find a hard lines to have a really um a really strong and and like like in order to kind of bat things back and forth in a really technical way. You need you need to have like clear definitions. You need to like things can't be abstract. They need to, you need to like harden up the the definitions of things so that way you can like see do these fit together. Well, I think that's one of the reasons when you say that why there were so many Levitical laws, right? Like they were trying to nail everything down. Right. Okay, so how what does it mean to you know keep the Sabbath day holy? Well, you can only walk six steps, and then you got to take a rest. Because <laughs> right. if you walk seven, you're working. Right. Right. And, well, are you, are you yeah. talking more about the um, what's there, there's all the Jewish writings afterwards? Yeah. Well, I'm just the saying whole. the Levitical law that's just in the Bible. Right. Like when you look at all that stuff, and that's I think one of the reasons why when Jesus came. And the guys are going like, okay, which ones we got to keep here? And Jesus is like, hold it, hold it. Talmud, that was the word I was looking for. Okay. But he basically said, hold it. 
And that's why I think we make it more complicated than we do. It's like, there's only really two things we need to do. Okay. Right. Love and if God we do those two. Neighbor. Huh? Love yeah. God and love your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. And so. But the thing is like, so you make that, it's, that's so simple. Well, it's a lot, so it's a lot easier than the 300 and, or 400 Levitical laws that were there. Right. I mean, not necessarily. Because well, like, I mean, that's, that's, that's the grand inquisitor story I told you the other day right too like when those when you when that's the only law you have to keep now you have to wrestle with what that means right right and that's a lot more responsibility than being able to ask the priest is this okay and he says yep i looked at the laws you're okay you can do that right well that's the funny thing too right like with the people who they'll go to israel and they'll say oh you, you can't commit adultery but you could marry that girl for 15 minutes <laughs> It's like, hey, this is sign me up for this program, man. This is great. So I can marry her and then divorce her, and then I can, like, every day you get a different right. wife, and you're actually keeping all the laws. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, when Jesus, you know, saw this kind of stuff that was going on, he's like, you guys are missing the whole boat. Mm -hmm. And that's, I believe, why, again, as an evangelical Christian, I say the same are the children of God who are led by the spirit of God. So what is, so that, that I think is the, 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 if there's a difficult part is to say, okay, hold it, quiet down, Lloyd, try, try to quiet down all the noise and listen to what the spirit of God says. So like when I get up this morning, I say, okay, God, like I've got plans to do this, 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 and this, but what would you like me to do today? And then just wait and listen and then wait for an impression mm -hmm. and, if that oppression comes from my imagination or for the Holy Spirit, only God knows where it came from. Mm -hmm. But generally the Holy Spirit wouldn't tell me, hey, go commit adultery today. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, so, and, you know, I will I will get impressions as it were mm -hmm. of, of things that I should do. And then I'll be like, okay, th those are the things that I feel like God wants me to do today. You know, I might write those down and mm -hmm. try to pursue that. Well. Let's let's play with that for a second because I felt like I really when I was trying to see how much I could put weight on the sort of ideas that I was learning at the at Bayer at the Bible College. Yeah. I was really trying to figure out how to do that specifically. I, and I felt like I spent like probably a good half year to a year I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just not long enough, but I spent a, a, what it seemed like a long time for me anyways, like really trying to listen to every sort of prompt I felt in mm -hmm. my, wherever that space is. Yeah. Thinking, okay, I want to listen for the Holy Spirit Yeah. and see what he tells me to do. He told you to do a U-turn and you got wiped out by that other car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was probably my, my tired, dead, no energy stomach. Yeah, that but, was, yeah. But so, yeah, so you, you really made an effort. You didn't just have... And like some of the things that I can look back at those moments and say, you know, actually, that maybe that did lead me down the, path, the right path. I just didn't, didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. But other times it, it just, I felt like sometimes there became a weird obsessive compulsion to like follow certain rules or like, um, I don't know. I, I was just, I ended up being really anxious all the time. And... Because you're thinking, I might miss God. I don't, well, no, it wasn't even that. It was like, I kept on, I was listening and I would always hear something. And I didn't, it was like, you know, 
You didn't uh, know if it was because you were bipolar or schizophrenic. <laughs> I, I, well, that's it. It really felt just like it was such arbitrary stuff, right? And I was like, "There's no way this is the Holy Spirit. This is some spirit." But, but then sometimes I would feel like literally almost the same voice or something tell me to do something, and, and, I, and I would do it, and it was like, "Whoa! I never would have thought to do that," and that worked out really good. Mm. But it was like. How do you discern what is God and what is not? Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's, I, I, I think even if you talk to someone who's been uh, a Christian for like you know, a thousand years, no, a, lot, a lot of their life, I think that those are, I mean, you know, if it's possible for a spirit to talk to you, mm -hmm. good or evil, mm -hmm. isn't it possible that they're like, Jesus was tempted by something, mm -hmm. right? That we we say it's the devil, and I think it was the mm -hmm. devil, but he was hearing something. I'm not sure if he actually had a conversation with the devil or these thoughts were coming mm -hmm. into his mind, right? But if it's possible to hear the garbage, then it's po probably possible to hear the good. But mm -hmm. to discern between what is right and what is wrong, mm -hmm. I think that's like, is that me? Like when I hear- could you, Evan, could you look up the Wesleyan quad quadrilateral? Sorry, I'm sorry. Continue for a second. No, so I just, I just think, like when I have a thought, you know, hey, give this guy a call or something like that, and it's like out of the blue or something like, I'd be like, maybe they need someone to, mm -hmm. you know, or sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I, like a lot of times I wake up just after three o'clock in the morning, and oh yeah, you have some crazy. Well, sleep I just, issues. well, I will, I will um, feel like a real heaviness on me mm -hmm. and someone will come to mind and I will pray for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, maybe that's God. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just me and I yeah, just like, care well, about that person. Because the, the problem is that I think if, at least in my own experience, I feel like I started to think about God as sort of somebody who is like a convictor. or maybe, maybe So maybe it partially just has to do with how well you can emulate God because I started to kind of, I guess, just make a lot of space to listen for, for conviction or for, for guilt. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I just felt guilty all the time about everything. Yeah, I think, but I think what that could come from was your relationship with me, because I was not a person who gave you a lot of attaboys. I was not the type of person who, like if you did five things right, but you did one thing wrong, unfortunately, I would be like, hey, Garrett, you missed that. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm sure sometimes you're probably thinking, for crying out loud, Dad, I did five <laughs> things right, and I didn't finish, like, I swept the whole kitchen, I vacuumed the whole house, but I left four crumbs in the kitchen, and you had to find that. Mm -hmm. Well, my um, inability to give you the uh, proper treatment will give you a skewed version of what you think God is like. And I can't... Like that, so, just, so just let me okay. finish. That is, that is not, like there is no excuse for that. There's a reason that I was like that, mm -hmm. but there's no excuse for it. So I would say even now, I apologize and I'm sorry that I did that. But yeah. I, the reason that I'm like that and I'm changing mm -hmm. is because that's, what I learned from my father. Mm -hmm. And so what you learn, you become. And I, I think 
you know, one of the things that can happen to us is, you know, as you were going through that time in your life where, you know, I would never find the good that you did. I always find the, the crap that you would go, and you might've said this, and this is another thing that I think is a huge part of what happens in our lives. You might've said, I swear to God, when I get older, I'm never gonna do that to my kids, right? You might have, I'm not saying sure, you did, sure. but if you did that, it's a, I would say a huge chance. That is exactly what you will do because in your humanity, without the grace of God functioning in your life, you will do exactly what I did if not worse. And the reason for that is because the Bible says, whatever, like don't judge, because if you judge, whatever judgment you judge someone with, you will be judged with. And so what I did in my humanity, right, was I said to my dad, when he did that to me, I swear to God, I maybe didn't say it out loud, but I thought, I swear to God, I'll never do that. And then I did the same thing. Then I did the same thing to my kids and you will. And we continue this cycle until mm -hmm. what we need to do is, if we had the maturity and when we come to the realization of where we are even right today is to say, by God, by your grace, help me not to do that to my kids sure. because in my humanity, I will do it. Yeah. But with your grace, I will. I, I mean, I think that's a lesson you've, you've taught probably all of us pretty well. Like I, I, I think I don't you, know. you've told that, that story a couple of times and that that's sat pretty well with me. And I, I think I've, I don't know, maybe it's also just like, I, you know, I love you. I, I, I respect yeah. you. And so like when I, when I, when I see mistakes you've made and I kind of, I, I, I don't look at you the way I did when I was 14 or when I was 10 anymore. I don't look at you as just this oppressive person out to, you know, screw with me. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I can see your humanity. So when you, when you screw up, it's like, or you screwed up and like, I'm going to screw up. But see, I think, where I was going with this as well is when we get a proper understanding of God and okay and that's what I wanted to go to too so yeah. if, if God is actually a real Father. individual be being that's separate from the emulation that I can build of him mm -hmm. from your treatment of me why why does your treatment of, of like why does my beliefs about him matter so much you know like if like your beliefs of God or beliefs? what I'm saying is like if if my kind of version of God that exists in my head and the one that talks to me is based so much on the way you treated me, is isn't it just like like that's my God? Like I, I well, I think we create an imagination or an image of God in our minds right. that closely parallels our earthly father, and that's I think one of the reasons why so many people on this I, planet. I think it goes beyond you too, though. Like I think there's there's sort of an earthly father of my of my community too. Well, like cause I, I would just say on a on a foundational level, almost every person, if they, I mean, that's when, the closest to home. Yeah. Well, when we we pray the Lord's prayer, we say Our Father, right? So there's some type of a correlation between our earthly father and our heavenly father, like that relationship, right? Is um, for whatever reason God uses that, <clears throat> and so when you see Christ and the Father. Um, have relationship together. There was a closeness. There was sometimes the father asked him to do hard things that it seemed like Christ didn't even want to do, right? When he said, hey, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, right? There was, there was, but he had this closeness with his father that whatever he heard the father say, whatever he saw the father do, he did. 
And I think if we had a good earthly father, then I think we'd have a heck of a lot easier time understanding what a heavenly, a good heavenly father would be like. And I think because I'm so flawed and hopefully you won't be quite as flawed, <laughs> I mean, but when you, when you have children, then you will be like, like that's a staggering responsibility when you have children. Like, you know how you said, Hey, you know how all these single guys, you have no idea how immature you are till you decide to get married. And then all of a sudden this girl comes into your life and she shows you all these things about yourself. That right. it's just like, well, have I think, kids, it does the same oh thing. my gosh, you have like no more, idea. More so. <laughs> you have no idea how selfish yeah. you are. Like, I think I've told you the story before when there's like three little children looking at me and there's only three Oreo cookies and I want one of them. <laughs> it's like, hey kids, sorry, there's no Oreo cookies. <laughs> this is, this is a it's story like, that yes, actually there happened? Is that. No, there's not. Those three, <laughs> they're all for me. <laughs> like, how can you be such a beast as a father to take those three <laughs> Oreo cookies? But... You know, I'm sure I did it. You figure out, well, they don't need that sugar. <laughs> that sugar, you know, that's be, it. I would be a bad parent. You see, now, <laughs> I, I, needed your, I needed your logic around when I was, you know, because I sometimes felt guilty, but actually that was the right you, thing you to do. You took the burden on yourself <laughs> to save them from that evil sugar. Wow. You, yeah, that was being very Christ-like, actually. There you go. Yeah, I'll sense. go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you do absolutions? <laughs> I could probably go through a lot of the stuff in my life, man. And I could just—I could figure it out for you. Yeah, you life. should. You should join you the priesthood, know. man. I think you, you'd get good customers. <laughs> do you do indulgences too? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <clears throat> okay, so I don't know. I, I feel like we. we you want to Wesley and Quadriano? Oh yeah, let's go over there for a second. So w what's on there? Tradition, experience, scripture, and reason. Tradition, experience. Tradition, experience, scripture, and reason? Yeah. That's the four? Tradition, experience, scripture, and reason. Okay. Was that John or, or Charles John Wesley? Wesley? Yeah. John or Charles? John, I believe. Was, was it Charles John Wesley, or John? Because right? I think John was uh, more of Wesley. a Pentecostal and Charles was more of a theologian. Okay. I, don't think, I don't think John was... Because, that's but the, the thing, so that's, I, I usually think of it as, as like, I, I have like three categories, but he, he expands a little what bit is more. John Wesley? Because I mean, I would almost put tradition and scripture in the same category, but I, I maybe it is good to part, separate them out. But there's tradition, scripture, oh man, I already forgot the one, last one. Two. Experience. Experience. So the tradition is probably more your community. The scripture is more like the distant community, the laws that you have. Your own experience is like your individual experience. And then there's... Uh, Maybe you should write it down. <laughs> Tradition, experience, scripture, and community. Reason. And reason. Reason. Okay. Yeah, like, I um, just text that to me for a second, Evan, and then yeah. I can look at it here. But... The idea of it, whether you divide it into four things, three things, like you could divide it into a hundred different things. I think the point is just that when you lean too hard into anything, so like I, I think the Holy Spirit, like the, the kind of thing we were just talking about, sort of emulating God and having a conversation with him, whether mm -hmm. that's your imagination or he's like sort of miraculously speaking to you. Um, I think that that's not good enough on its own. And that's the, is, I, I feel like maybe... Maybe it wasn't anybody's intention, but I got the impression 
within the circles that I was getting teaching from growing up that like, if you didn't know, if you weren't understanding God, or you weren't able to kind of sense out what God was really saying, you just need to do it more and like just lean further into that. And there was, I felt like there was just way too much of a, an emphasis on basically the personal experience with God and not, you know, not enough respect for the community experience with God and, and the reasonable experience with God. I, I didn't think as much about reason, but I think I thought more about like community and scripture. So it's like, it's not just about you and your experience understanding the scripture and your experience with the Holy Spirit. It's like you're part of a community. Mm-hmm. And also you have, if you want to plug the reason thing into it, it's like you you have faculties of reason beyond just your feelings about stuff. Right. Well, I, I think if you go down that route, like especially reason, like, you know, as a, a person um, who believes in principles of giving, right? And, you know, some people say that if you tithe, God will bless you. And like, so, you know, I, I, I always thought that seems kind of like a strange idea. So you give part of your money away and then God is going to pay you back. Right. Or whatever it is. And that, that, um, that whole, you know, mindset reason would say, hold it. I've got 10 bucks and I give away a buck. I'm not going to, I have less money now. <laughs> yeah, like it just, there's there's no way that this is going to make sense. But in my experience, right, so reason is one thing. Reason says don't give away the buck. But in my experiences, when I did give away the buck, it seemed like, and maybe it's just because I'm Dutch and I'm careful <laughs> with my money, but the $9 seemed to go farther, you know. Okay. And so, um, and then another thing is, you know, like, there's in the Bible, it says, always be thankful, right? And I noticed that people who maybe had better things than me, but were complaining, um, seemed to not do as well financially as people who had less, but were thankful for them. So reason is definitely there, but there's sometimes when there seems to be a law that supersedes reason. Does that make sense? Especially when it, in that part of um, my world. So like when it came to money and even, I, I, I think you've read, or I think you know the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki. Yeah. He's, he says, and even in the game, when you play mm-hmm. that game, when you give money away, good stuff seems to happen to you. So there's something to do with generosity that maybe it does something inside us mm-hmm. and God knows that. And so he's like, if if you are generous, mm-hmm. something will happen and your life will go better. Maybe that's right. So, okay, so there's there's principles. There's yeah. there's an individual. It's just like yeah, you, you can you can lay things out in a couple of different categories. It's just yeah. that if you live your life entirely according to principles, or you live your life entirely according to your kind of intuition or your right. own your, your own sense of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Or if you live your life entirely based on what your community tells you to do, or entirely based on what your teacher tells you to do. Any one of those things, I think we could probably tie that back to the idolatry thing. Actually, I love it. There's this, there's this, um, sometimes you can find these really awesome, very kind of uh, crazy looking YouTube channels or websites mm-hmm. by, I don't know, there's some sort of, a, maybe it's that focus on the individual experience of, of trying to understand the Bible and the Holy Spirit that I feel like that's 
kind of a hallmark of evangelicalism because I notice a lot of these conspiracy theorist type websites. It's just like somebody thinks they've cracked the code. Right. And they lay out like all of the, they have like, it's, it's, there's so many of these guys and, and they all have a different code, but like it's, it's always so exhaustive. It's like they, they, something cracks and they're like, okay, I know it. I have to tell everybody about this. Right. This weird combination of like impetus to, you got to evangelize. You, you understand the truth, so you got to give it to everybody. But also it's all about your understanding of the truth. So you got to get it right. And once you've got it right, it's, it's like you need to get it out there. You need to figure it all out. And it's like, there's a, it's kind of a dangerous combination of teachings, I think, because it, it comes up with this sort of individual. But there's this awesome YouTube channel I found called The Bible is the Mark of the Beast. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I was listening to it for a while because I was like, I don't know, whenever I find somebody, one of these websites, it's like, or, or YouTube channels or something like that, I it makes me laugh. So part of it is just, I just want to watch it because it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is like, I there's something about me that really believes that you don't that there's like there's something in humans that doesn't latch on to stuff like this unless it's interesting and and our sort of meter inside of us that what that you know what tells us what's interesting is like too attached to evolution or too attached to like the way god's created us for us to just spend a bunch of time writing and figuring out things that aren't you know that there isn't actually some truth associated with maybe maybe that's a bad intuition so far, whenever I find somebody who's really crazy, if I press them, I can sometimes squeeze out a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. And this guy, I mean, so this idea that the, the Bible is the mark of the beast. Right. is a pretty funny name for a channel. So that's obviously what pulled me in right away. But I thought about it and I listened to what he had to say. And it's like, yeah, the idea that, that you, when you sort of worship your experience with the Bible over everything else, it 100% becomes an idol. Sure. And... When and and I feel like yeah, so it's like a, that's a rejection of your community's experience with the Bible or your community's experience with with God as a as the Holy Spirit. It's a rejection of your reason faculty. It's it's a re- rejection of your. Well, it's just all, all those other things that are supposed to be part of the Christian religion and the Christian walk with God, so to speak. All those things get put to the wayside if you say the Bible's at the top. Well, it's like I think that goes, God's at the top, and all right. of those things—the Bible, the community, the tradition—all all this experience. This is all subject to Him. Well, I think that goes back to even like some people say, "I just love God," but I can't stand those, you know, people who are of, of color. Like, so I, <laughs> you know, I, I've I've heard of like right, I have okay. a fam, some family uh, members okay. that just couldn't stand that, hmm. and I was like, like. No, like not my family members that were prejudiced, although some of them were, but one of my cousins, they, they were in a community and they were atheist, my cousins, but they were in a community of people who called themselves Christians and maybe they were, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. think they were, but anyway, these people loved Jesus, but they couldn't stand people of color. And she was just like, she couldn't wrap her head around that. She's like, how can that be? That doesn't make sense. And so the community around them seemed to be in this one place where, uh, where they, uh, you know, they all felt like it was okay to not like people of color, but here's an atheist who's going poking holes into that community think thinking. And, you know, we can just, 
and and in the Bible it says as well, if you say I love God, don't love your neighbor, then you're you're fooling yourself. So yeah, I think you're on the right track when you say there's all different parts of the like those four. Maybe there's more than four, but those yeah, four. But that's at least a good. I think that that four is a good starting place anyway. Yeah, yeah, because became you know famous. if I can't if I can't stand um, the people that I see right around me, but I say I love God. If I love God and he's really able to um, work in me Mm -hmm. to make me to become like him and he loves everybody, Mm -hmm. then if I'm actually emulating him, then I should be given the ability by him to actually love everybody. And even I think you're so, using the word emulate a little bit different than we kind of maybe, established it though. I don't I don't know if that's the right word or whatever. But well, it's fine. It's just I, I was using that emulate to mean like like project God and see like God's right, right next yeah. to me. Well, I'm yeah. just saying copy. Okay. Or do it, do you know do things the way he would do them. Yeah, what would you call that? What word uh, would I you mean use? that's a fine word. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't a confusion. Okay. So what was what was your point and where you were going I, with I this? just Oh, because you, so you were talking, talking about, about the Holy basic, yeah. So you 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 were at this point in school where you were, you were for a good year. You're saying, okay, God, I want to be spirit led. I want to always do exactly what you say, and I don't want to miss the boat. I just always want to do this, and if yeah. I can do that, then I'll be a perfect little Christian boy, and then my dad <laughs> and mom will be really happy with me, yeah. and I'll get the whole inheritance. Yeah. And uh, so, but you screwed up. So you've only get two bucks now. So. <laughs> But the, yeah, I think sometimes I think in certain communities, Christianity is like, maybe it wasn't your intention, but it's almost like it's a performance. Like if I, if I can just, you know, get up to, you Mm -hmm. know, like if I can get up to 99% uh, effectiveness, you know, in my uh, hearing from God and doing what he says, man, I'm doing pretty good, but I'm supposed to be a hundred percent. So I'm still not perfect. Right. I don't, I don't think that that's, um, I don't think that that's how God wants us to live with this, this dread all the time. Like, oh, I screwed up, I screwed up. But to be more relaxed and to, to say, God, I'm not to be careless. You know what I mean? Like, oh, let me go do whatever the heck I want, but to be sober, um, and I hesitate to use that word because I just see my dad going, yeah, let's be, be sober. sober. <laughs> and then I see Papa, who is yeah. like so jovial, and to try to find the balance, as yeah. it were. And I, I remember listening to David Curry, the pastor from Cambridge uh, years ago, and he said, like someone said to him once, well, you know, like Benny Hinn's way the heck over here, and this yeah. other guy's way the heck over here, but I'm right in the middle. I'm a balanced person. And he yeah. said, there is nobody on this planet that doesn't believe they're balanced. Right. You know, like you think, yeah, you know, dad's over here. He's a nut job evangelical. And then you've got this guy over here that's, you know, a nut job atheist. I'm right in the middle. Like I'm not a nut job on either side. Right. So you, you feel like you live in the balance. And I think that's what you have to do in order to function in society. Mm -hmm. But well, I I was thinking, so you probably do that too then, right? Sure. You, you, who, who's your, you know, who's your nut over on this side and nut over on this side? That well, you you're on one of yourself them. To. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say which side you're on, <laughs> but you are a bit of a nut job. And then I have another one of my, uh, no, I won't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah okay you, you always have to kind of anchor yourself between two nut jobs and say i'm well and that's sort of the classic you know devil and angel on the shoulder right although with that that sort of image is like one is obviously good and one's obviously evil but like i think it's more yeah i think there's maybe four four shoulders you know like there's the good and the evil but then there's sometimes well i i, I think the problem within... is that really the way we actually view it is that i'm the good and both of these guys are like it's like the angel's a nut job because he's like too too prudy and holy and the and the demon's obviously evil because he's he's a demon right so it's like i'm gonna listen to both of these guys but i'm gonna make the decision yeah don't you think though that that if god is really real and he is able to talk to us that he would always tell us the right thing to do i don't know about that because so this is when it comes to kind of come back to the sin thing is like so if sin is literally just imperfection i don't know how that's different than entropy well, I don't know what that word means. I don't know a really... I couldn't define it very, very scientifically for you, but I can give you the, the basic version of it that I understand. And that's basically Maybe, just, Evan, you can look that up too yeah. because... Cause I, it's, it's, I think it's basically just the breaking down of things. It's like... Okay, it, so going to the law rather than the Ten Commandments, 374 commandments. Uh, Maybe. Well, no, I mean, but it's, it's more of like a physics principle. It's like it's energy transfer happens by things like breaking down... Okay, Evan, you better give us the the the. I don't think it's going to help you. No. Well, maybe a really easy example of, and I think this would still be considered entropy, is just like the way your cells reproduce, is by them kind of splitting in half. Like they die, they break in half, and then you know, that's that's how you continue to grow or how you sustain yourself. Is like your your cells kind of regenerate every what's what's it like? There's like not a same cell that was in you three years ago. Every three years, it's like you're totally a new set of cells, right? Isn't that why I'm so smart now? Because <laughs> three years ago, I was so dumb. <laughs> God made you a new man. Yeah. But, okay, so I, entropy is, say that again. It's, so it's, it's like, it's it's the necessary breaking down of things so that way they can be rebuilt. It, it, and, and that's sort of, I guess, a really metaphorical way of saying it. But like that, that's, I think, the principle of entropy is like, in order for things, in order for time to move forward, Things like that's almost, I, I think, probably on a really physical level. And, I, and I, maybe if Connor or Andrew was here, they could probably explain specifically how that works. But like, I think that's that's the marching forward of time even is, is things breaking down. Okay. Well, I mean, I could see that like with cars and rust and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But if they, um, that's also, I, I think that's how energy is transferred too. I think, I think literally for for this energy to get here, it's like something has to fall apart. Okay, well, I think you're you're so maybe you're, that's getting too disconnected. Yeah, you're I, you're a little. I think the the reason that I, I I I kind of go back to that is just like okay, the only reason physical existence can happen is because things are falling apart constantly. That's that's kind of what I'm drawing back back to it. But I mean, I can I can do maybe a more a more abstract, more story kind of version of it that maybe makes more sense. It's just like that's the only reason that. Um, that you or I make progress in life, the only reason we grow is because we're constantly letting the current behavioral systems that we are living out or attached to break down and become something new. So like death is intrinsic to progress, I guess is is what I'm trying to get to. Right. I mean, it's even built into like, I, I think there's the generational element of it. Like, you know, you have kids so that way they can 
they can continue on. They can they can sort of take yeah, the be experiment your legacy or whatever. Pardon? They'll be your legacy. Right. Yeah. And so like you don't if you were just to live forever, especially in the way that you currently are, like if you didn't change at all any at any points, like there's there's no progress that happens in you. You think I need to change? Yeah, one hundred percent. This interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> but like, are you following so far as far as just like the idea that yeah, well, I'm, progress I'm, I'm trying is, to, is death? I'm trying to sew this together in my mind. So like... Are they tying I, it back to sin or well, just... Well, the... no, but just life, right? Like when I think of my life, when I was, you know, 21, I was looking forward to getting married, you know? And then, you know, as you go through time, then I was following my father-in-law down the road and doing stuff and then... I was looking forward to things, but as you get older, you don't really look forward to things anymore. You look back mm-hmm. at things and you say, oh, that was fun. But that's one of the things I think that I don't like about getting old is like, there's not as much to look forward to anymore unless you have vision or things like that. But the breaking down, I see obviously in our bodies, right? Like I can't, you know, beat, I could still beat you up, but I can't mm-hmm. beat Evan up. But yeah, so they're the breaking but down. Even of stuff. even when like if you fall down and get a scratch on your arm, the yeah. way that those cells reproduce and, and heal you is by them breaking in half and and then growing again and then right. breaking in half and then growing again. Right. Like that's that's like creation is built on death. Okay, so how does that translate into the, the spiritual thing? realm? Yeah. So well, that, so that can I, you show me that? I, so the spiritual realm to me is maybe just more the story realm. It's like that's the more abstract version of what maybe is practically going on. That's kind of how I think about the spiritual so realm. So give me like a a story or something that kind of shows that. Well, even from the Bible or even your own experience or whatever. I guess what I'm I'm struggling with maybe a question that's maybe some some early church fathers have talked about already and I just haven't read about it. I don't understand it yet. Mm-hmm. But like it seems to me that that sin isn't really isn't really sinful or at least all breaking down of things all imperfection isn't isn't what sin is. so like so if we're trying to figure out further what sin is it's like it's not just even falling short because falling short is actually falling short of a standard is what um is what progress is made of so as in like you know you were this but in order to be something new, you stop being that. You fall short of that previous standard and you, you break the rules of what what being that entailed and you be something else. Progress so, is me not being you. It's me being your son, which is a different... Yeah. So let me just pause you there. Can you hold that thought? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the, the scripture that comes to my mind is all have sinned, mm-hmm. right? And... Fallen and fall short. short. So as if those are two different things? Right. Okay. That's what I'm thinking as you say that. Like, I've not really thought that way before about it. Also, I think that if you want to read some stuff about what you're thinking, I think if you read some of the confessions of St. Augustine, that guy was a brilliant mind. And if you can find it in a podcast or something like that, I think that might be helpful for you because he wrestled with a lot of these different questions. And... Charles Haddon Spurgeon studied a lot of Augustine's mm. writing, okay. and I think that might help you. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but there's a lot of, 
I have having some friends now encouraging me to try to to read some of the early church fathers and some of the stuff they were saying, and now it's like I have such a stack of books already to try and read. Right. Well, what did Ty, did you interview Tyler already? Yeah, we yeah. talked a little bit. So. Did he talk about Augustine at all or not? Because he was one of the remember, church maybe. church fathers. I think he was Catholic, wasn't Augustine Catholic? Well, I, I think everybody was Catholic. Right up until sixteen hundreds, yeah. Luther. Okay, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I guess there's there's this great schism before that, and then there's like the Eastern Orthodox, or like the, so. There's right. there's some some changes. There was a split, yeah. But they both were similar in their um, beliefs, but I think that they were just a different governance. I think was, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure about that. But anyway, going back to sin and what actually sin is um so is sin and falling short of the glory of god two different things you know is that something that you could think about yeah okay so those that might be that let's let me maybe start continue unpacking we'll see if one of those lines up better with with those definitions because i i'm saying i think that for a system to go and create something of value and to you know basically evolve into something interesting um the ability or like the it breaking down needs to be built into that system like that that's fundamentally how like if if you want to to play out an evolutionary scenario on two computers you it, the only reason it becomes evolution is is by uh introducing an element of randomness to um to the code so like if you if you want to make you know two computers figure out how to play chess against each other and you you, you feed the rules into both of them but you don't tell them any strategy about how to play the only reason, the only way that they get better at chess, is by saying, "Okay, next round, do things five percent differently, or do things, you know, 05 percent differently." Maybe you want to do a very, very small amount of change each time, so there's just a little bit of variance, and then gradually, it's you know, for, it, it'll kind of have an understanding of a success metric, and and if 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 that was a more successful round, then I'll, you know, my my future rounds are going to be more similar to that one. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So, I, I'm just thinking more, and maybe I'm not following you, but I'm thinking falling short of the glory of God, right? As to versus sin. So, falling short of the glory of God is that sin. So, what is the glory of God? Like right now, it, let's say the glory of God would be a supercomputer. But back, you know, in 1950 or 1945, when they figured out the you know the machine that could figure out Hitler's code. That mm-hmm. movie we just yeah, watched, right? Or the, yeah. Uh, so the glory game. of God is maybe let's say an an i seven billion processor, which we have the i seven now or the right, i nine, sure, sure. right? Okay. So the glory of God would be like God's mind, right? Is you know, like I say, i infinity. Sure. So right now we're at you know i seven, as it were. Okay. And so we're falling short of the glory of God. The glory of God is this unbelievable ideal mm-hmm. that I don't think we humans will ever attain. Mm-hmm. And that's that would make sense to me better to, to go along with sin being one thing and falling short of the glory of God being another. So, so sin is like, so do you kind of fall into more? The sin more is more practical? transgression and transgressing what you know to be wrong and falling short of the glory of God. And again, I don't even know okay, if this sure, is even sure, good sure. theology. I'm just thinking this through as you point. talk. 
um, falling short of the glory of God is like, I'm thinking about, you know, um, right now we have sewer systems, right? Like we flush the toilet, it goes yeah. down to the street. Well, the, the, the problem is this, that we, you and I can come to a, 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 come to terms about what we want to call sin and what we want to call falling short of the glory of God. But there, I think we need to at least maybe agree on that. I don't think there's any certain agreement between biblical authors about the usage of the word sin. I think like old Testament, but sin, I think I just figured it out. Well, maybe it's, there we go. Like, like I gotta start my YouTube channel. You gotta, <laughs> I have figured this out, man. It's but, like, yeah. So, like, I I think sin has to be more of a character than a technical thing. I think sin has to be something that's like, like you said, it's like a transgression. It's like, well, I think when you go to Galatians, right, chapter five, if you look at that that list of stuff and say, hey, this stuff is sin, but because you you made a plumbing you know, you made a plumbing system that didn't work quite Perfectly. right because you just didn't have a clue what you were doing or you didn't have enough in information to make it well, or you made the i2 computer, but you never made the i7, right? Let's, Was it a sin not to make it? Let's do this for a second. So okay. I think tithing fits into the my definition of, of sin. Okay. I think that that's the sin that God commands us to do in the sense that, so if sin is falling short of an ideal... So like, if I have a, I have a pattern of the way that I spend my money, yep. that's that's an ideal that I have. Okay. Uh, and tithe is just saying, I'm not going to do that all the time. I'm going to mostly follow the pattern, and then I'm going to, some some of the time, I'm going to just do something random, basically. Or like, I'm going to give it to the church, which is like something that's totally under not under my control, so sort of random to me. Okay. So I'm not sure where you're going with that. Explain the reason I want to. Yeah, okay. I guess this is very. It's hard hard to bring everything together into something that's easy to, to digest. So I, I, I appreciate you not understanding because it's making sure making me actually have to explain what I'm thinking. So like, because sometimes I'll talk to Connor about this kind of stuff, and his mind is is similarly kind of very abstract. And so I start talking about something abstract, and it just it lands for him right away. I don't have to do anything, so we okay. can just kind of get past that. But okay, then. <laughs> then you come up with adult like your dad. It's like, no, just explain this. This is I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, make well, it, let's make ignore it, the insult. Make it but... like uh, Matt McConaughey simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, not Jordan Peterson. I can't be that deep, but if we can have the simple folk tune, yeah. Well, the the point is just that. So, the, it's the death of a pattern. That's that's what I'm I'm saying. It's like so. So God's pattern is absolutely perfect, and nobody reaches that. We we all we all fall short of that because that's. But I I think what that pattern involves, like even it's like that's the way that sort of we would say God created the universe, is in such a way for things to break down, and that's how he. I think that's that's a built-in tool for how he makes progress. How he sort of um, how would you say maybe um regenerates us or or. or yeah, I, I think I'm struggling with the, the 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 word, or maybe the concept of stuff breaking down in order for it to to work. Can you well, help so, me with that? That's what I think of as far as the whole idea of like dying and baptism and and that and that sort of thing. It's like I'm doing things a certain way, and that's me. Like my existence is being a certain way. It's I'm I'm a human being, and I be a certain way. I, you know, I live my life. Uh, I. I spend my money in a certain way. I spend my attention on certain things. 
Let's just keep it in the money for a second, so that if we can just follow that. Well, I don't, vein I don't, I, with the, let, let me continue because okay. I, I don't think I don't think this is going to be that confusing this time. Okay, <laughs> hopefully, I hope so. It's like I'm not spending my time or my money in in the in the way that God wants me to, or like there's so a you're falling way. short of the glory of God, right? Okay. But so in order for me to to move on and to get better, that ver that current version of of being that cur current way that I'm doing things needs mm -hmm. to die. Right. So you need to go bankrupt. Not necessarily. It's like that. That would be on a big level of me dying. But it's yeah. like maybe I just like I wake up and I realize, hey, I'm going to do things differently today. I've mm -hmm. I've stopped being that previous version of myself, and now I'm a different version of myself. So that version of yourself that you were before is broken down now. Right. So now instead of spending a hundred bucks on beer, you're going to spend ninety bucks on beer, and you're going to give ten bucks to God. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's more specifically. I'm saying that like. Because I, I went to the beer store with you the other day and yeah. I saw how much you spent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to avoid becoming too sober. And I hope I, 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 I hope Evan paid the for same trap Opa did. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so so but yeah so you're so you're breaking a pattern that you had, mm -hmm. and you're you're establishing a different pattern. Uh, right. And 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 you're hoping that that would be a better pattern, perhaps, than the one that you had. And it's like I don't always know if it's going to be better, right. but I'm saying I think that's that's built into the way progress happens. Sure. All right. All right. I've fallen you so far. And so, but we think of death as a bad thing. We don't like death. Well, I was actually thinking about that because I have a good friend who's got, I think the end stages of cancer and he's going to die between two and six weeks from now. Mm -hmm. And so I said, what's it like to get up every morning? You know, and I talked about looking forward to things. Mm-hmm. And now you're looking forward to death, right? Yeah. Because that's what you, you look forward. You, you can look back or forth, but if you're looking forward, this is what's going to happen, you know, within two to six weeks. So you've got to switch your mindset around and say, okay, either what I believe about God and eternity and heaven is true or not. And you really, it comes down to a crunch because if it's really true, then you're going to really look forward to that transition from life to death, because mm -hmm. that becomes what we would, I would think of as eternal life. And I think, did I ever tell you one time that um, my brother Len, he, he, um, he had a dream one night that um, he said, this dream really pissed me off. Um, he said, I dreamt that you found out you were dying of cancer and you had all your family around you and you were just calm and you were peaceful and you're relaxed and you're saying, Hey, I'm going to be leaving here, but I'm going to go to a much better place and I'm going to miss you guys, but it's going to be so great. Mm -hmm. And he said, you were just so peaceful and you were not like troubled. You weren't like freaking out or anything. He said, it just pissed me off so bad. He said like, cause I did, I, I wanted to, you know, in his own way, I think he wants to have that kind of a um, a peace in his mind, if it's actually possible. Like he doesn't know that God is real. He's he's always, you know, mm -hmm. like God, show me, prove it to me somehow, because I have no evidence in my mind that's strong enough to convince me to live that way. So, um, looking forward to. Um, like, I, again, I think of this guy who's going to die now looking forward to that transition. 
I think he's come to the point where he says, okay, if I really believe this, then there shouldn't be this panic. Mm -hmm. There should become, okay, I've lived my life for this. I've got a peace now. This is what's coming. It's okay. And that's, I think one of the things, I'm not sure if it's mm -hmm. in every faith group, but that's one of the things that some nurses have said, when you see a person who really has a strong faith in Christ, mm -hmm. when they get close to death, there's not this panic, there's this peace and there's this just like, it's okay. Mm. You know, so that's again, yeah. because maybe because we're all delusional, you know, um, you know, and, and that's possible. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it's well, if, impossible. Even if, if it's a delusion, it seems to be a more healthy delusion than the alternative. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, you know, I, again, I don't know if that happens in the Hindu religion or in the, the, the Mohammedan or Muslim religion Muslim, or, yeah. or Buddhist. I don't know. Maybe it does there too, because they, they have this understanding or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that'd be an, maybe an interesting thing to find yeah. out. But the, the thing I'm getting at is just that, well, I, I think that's, that's actually a good, a good story to kind of jump off of because we, we shouldn't think of death as, as like, you know, that's not God's judgment. And I don't think it's, it's, I, I don't know how to reconcile with the idea of this story of the fall. Cause I, I don't look at the fall. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I don't look at the fall as an intrinsically bad thing. I think that, I think that that's, I think that the breaking down of our patterns and our ways of being is literally God's plan for how to work out his, you know, bringing his kingdom here. Like I, I, and I think that's maybe just sort of a, I look at history and I look at evolution as something that actually has is progressing towards something like God's working out his, his plan on earth. And like, that's, I mean, if you, you kind of bring it back to another metaphor, it's like that if you're trying to like make something, if you're trying to carve a rock into a, um, I'm not sure if you carve, you, you chisel a rock right. into a, into a statue. It's like the way that you make that, that perfect new image of beauty appear is by breaking things down is by chiseling off the parts that are, that aren't, aren't good enough. Right. Right. And it's like, I, if I look at kind of reality and like the whole Christian story of God, like bringing heaven to earth, it's like that, that only happens by breaking stuff down by death happening or by, and bringing well, back that, the same that, thing. That picture helps me a lot more than some of the other yeah, ones. Sorry. You did. I, I, I sometimes have a really hard time figuring out the, the, the right image to connect things. I, I think really imagistically, but sometimes the pictures don't translate well. No, that's but, a good, that's a better that's a better but picture. The, so the, but bringing back to the sin thing is like, so the, I, I think I've heard in a couple of different like theology classes or something like that, that, that like the Hebrew word for sin it really just means to fall short and not necessarily to fall short of the glory of God, but just to fall short of anything. Well, so it means to miss the mark. It's, yeah. It's to an miss archery. The mark. Like yeah. it's like if you're, if you're shooting an arrow and you don't get the center. Yeah. Right. You gotta go. Okay. <laughs> Um, but so, so sinning is, is just, at least from that perspective, that, that original kind of conception of sin is just not living up to a pattern that was previously established. Yeah. So I guess that's why you struggle with the concept of sin being transgression versus just missing the mark. And right, that's, because it's yeah. like God actually wants us to sin. He wants us to break the patterns that we're living in. And yeah, but yeah, it's, like when you say things like, <laughs> when you say God wants us to sin, does know, he want us, does he want us to, um, right. So like it's then 
then that's, sin, I think, we need to I have think a new category for well, what sin yeah, is. Yeah, I think, I think your definition of sin um, needs to be defined better. And I think it's good for you to, to search for that. But if you'll go by Galatians 5 and transgression and say, these are sins. Yeah. But th- there's then, things that are just think, like lack of purity. It's like, those are still very abstract words that don't. No, I don't think so. Like, I, I like lack of purity in water, right? Is not sin. I mean, if that's as pure as you can make water and you drink it, that's fine. But if you sit there and you give somebody else water that's impure because you urinated in it or whatever, right? That's sin. So is the water being impure sinful? No, but if you made it sinful or you made it impure and gave it to someone, like it transgression is when you, it's, and I, I that's why, the sins of omission and the sins of commission, right? You know that that mm-hmm. that, yeah, I know that little yeah that whole metric. thing. So, but when when like if you if you break these down, like I, I think we start on idolatry, mm-hmm. right? I think if you just say um, like placing value on things, I think you're trying to make it. You're trying to break down. You know. Uh, is this more value? Is this is this spoon more valuable than the cup? And is mm-hmm. you're you're becoming a lo- loving the law rather than living by the law of love? And right. I think that's. Well, I guess I'm just trying to point out that living by the law doesn't work. Well, it's impossible, and I think that's one of the things that that um, that's one of the reasons I think that uh, God send Jesus because when we try to define every single thing as five steps is okay, but six steps is evil, mm-hmm. um, you know, and yeah, if your cow but, falls over. And obviously similarly, the, the other side of the coin is that when, when we try to listen to that spirit guiding within us for everything too, mm-hmm. neither one of those things work. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a, um, a great example of someone who, you know, always is in tune with the Holy Spirit because I just like Benny Hinn's maybe way better. You know, he wrote a book about sure. it. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, which I'm I'm not sure. You know, like oh hey oh oh God just told me you're supposed to give me five hundred bucks by the way. Wow. You know, um, but anyway, whatever that is, um, it's. I think when the Bible says the same are the children of God who are led by the Spirit of God, you're you're saying. Do I just go by the wooden definition of that, or do I go to my community and say, okay, what does that look like, or what is the experience? You know, what is your experience of do, right. living in that, and what is practical? Like, right. you know, where, yeah, sure, I'm supposed to give everything I have to the poor, but then I'm going to be one of the poor, and then how, who's going to take care of me? So, I, I guess I want to expand and say that all of our faculties for interacting with God have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so they all need each other in the same way that we need each other. Okay. All say that, say that all again. of our facu- faculties for understanding and experiencing God have sinned so were those, and fall the, short. Were those four? Were those the so four? All, all of those, sure, that, that's maybe a good thing to point to anyways, is our experience with God, our individual experience, our reason about God, our community's experience with God, and our interpretation of the scripture as an interaction with God. All of those fall uh, short fall. of actually understanding God, you know, perfectly all the time. I would think that that would be a decent definition. So, I, I guess I'm just trying to say that um, no matter how we interact with God, whatever system we try to interact with him through, we need to not 
I guess I, I'm trying. I maybe go back to the sin thing. It's just that, like, I I don't think we should defi- define sin. Well, I think we should because here there's obviously transgression, and that's, yeah. But the way it's defined is a really abstract way. I'm saying. So, I, so I what, don't think if, you're, I, if you want to okay, talk about just a second, sin, just a second. Let's just let's let's just take take the Bible for a second. I know you're not necessarily think it's it's, but I think just this, and I I mean there's a it's there's a lot written here, mm-hmm. but this is Galatians. Uh, and it's it says your sinful nature mm-hmm. okay so sexual immorality all right screwing around sexually outside of what is is what god has um figured out for us to do that's wrong i, right. I think but we the, can, the we more should... like that you're already interpreting what that means you just said sexual immorality so like not or so falling short of god god's perfect standard God's perfect standard for sexuality, that's a sin. Well, duh, falling short of God's plan for anything is a sin. Right, but sexual immorality is like when you go outside of what you're, like God's plan is for a man and a woman to have relations together within a covenant or a agreement relationship. But there's so many contingencies to that story though, like... Uh, is it God's plan? I mean, if, that, if that's if that's as simple as God's plan, is it? Then it's fine for me to rape my wife. No, it's, that's immoral. Okay, that's that's immorality. You can't like. How could you even say that? Like, I'm saying because that's not I'm functioning. Th- that's not the complexity of, that's not of God's plan for for a family, or like the the perfect you know the perfect way for a family to treat each other. That's a, an infinite mystery because no, every because situation I think is, I think you can I think you can go back to everything needs to be done through love. And if you love your wife, you're definitely not going to do that to her. Right? So that, I don't think that that, now I may be wrong on other levels because obviously I don't, I don't agree with certain sexual uh, behavior of certain people. And I think it's sexually immoral. And from scripture, I find that it is right. Mm -hmm. But there are people in Christendom that feel like that is okay. And I'm not going to go down that route, but lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Like, are we quarreling right now? I right? don't know. You know, are we being hostile? Uh, yeah. Like it's like uh, all of these things are determining whether or not they're a sin is about context. Right. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, drunkenness. See, I think that's one that's, that's, Wild parties, wild parties, and other this, sins. This guy's, like this guy's kind of a prude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems. I mean, I, I, I feel like I think that I, I think it's good to try to define sin, but I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, when there were, and I think it's, and I'm I, not sure if I, it's just in, in in my understanding is like sin is as much of a mystery as God is because God's way is always like, we have that under understanding of like, we never really know what, what exactly is, is God's plan. Right. Okay. So let me, let me just pause that for a second. Okay. So was it like when you're functioning in your understanding as well as you know how, mm-hmm. Because I think all of us don't know everything, right? Yeah. So when you're when you're having a conversation with your wife and it begins to go a certain way mm-hmm. or other, don't you know at a certain point 
I think intuitively, or we would call it instinctively or whatever, um, and some people would say that's caused by your conscience, that you're crossing a line when you continue to, you know, push her past a certain point. I'm just trying to think about my relationship with Kathy. Mm -hmm. You know, when I continue to push my way, when I know she doesn't want to go that way, mm -hmm. um, like when you're in the, the process of making a decision, you know, do we want to go to Hawaii or do we want to go on a cruise or something like mm -hmm. that? I don't think that there's necessarily sin that's happening. But when Kathy says like something like, hey, I want to, you know, do this and I don't want to do this mm -hmm. because I don't like doing this, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not necessarily right or wrong to do it. But when you're loving, I think, you're you're gonna I think you're gonna have a sense of this is the wrong thing to do at a certain point mm -hmm. in the conversation and I think when when and and as I'm just trying to think when you know that you're violating somebody you know mm -hmm. whether it's just continually unmercifully teasing them I, or something like that, then you've crossed this line. Right. And I think, but the, the, when that your line is established based on kind of your own conception of, of what guilt they want and then what they want and like mm -hmm. what you're okay with yourself doing. And it's like those, yeah. those metrics always fall short too. It's like, you don't understand when you're sitting and when you're not, you don't know, like you, sometimes you, th you think you're, you're, you've, you've got it and you know that you've offended somebody and you need to apologize. Sometimes you go apologize. And like, Oh, that, that didn't offend me at all. That, that wasn't a big deal. It's like, our our means of understanding what is holy and our means of understanding what is sin are just as broken as each other. And it's like, I, I guess the only reason I want to get there is just that like, I, I want I want a sense of humility in our definition of God and our definition of sin because both of those things we need to, both of those patterns are, of our understanding of sin and our understanding of God need to be open to um to being sinned against in to inter, to kind of use that previous analogy but like we, we we need to basically constantly be aware that our understanding of sin our, and our understanding of god is not perfect and we're going to need to have somebody well have god teach us through all these other all these other means what ways we're missing it so i guess yeah then so th that would leave room for the definition of sin to change. Right. Right. And I guess um, in a sense, the definition of sin did change when Christ came because all the laws and stuff like that, that were to be observed mm -hmm are no longer needing to be observed anymore. So well, I can think of a lot of Christians who would, who would have a different position on that too. Well, I understand that, but I'm just saying like the whole Judaic law is like, I think one of the reasons for Jesus to come was because it's impossible for us to keep the law. And so he kept it for us. Mm -hmm. and so that takes the pressure off mm -hmm. right and so I, I think if we live in a way that says hey God as far as I know from your word 
I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm living the way that I feel like you want me to live. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm definitely not up to the perfection that you are. And I don't think ever will be. Mm-hmm. But because Jesus did that for me, then that's, I don't have to live under this. Oh, what the heck am I going to do this right today? Mm-hmm. If I just lay down every morning or lay, you know, get up in the morning and get on my face before well, see, God. Or so, so that kind of marries that idea of like, it's God's plan for you to not get it right all of the time. Like it's, it's a, it should be a, a presumption that like in order to be, to be sort of right in God's eyes, you don't have to have be doing things perfect all the time. I, it's just that like God's like walking that out is just being open to being corrected all the time. So, you know, I, when I say like, does God always walking around with a big stick ready to smack us? No, no, it's not a big stick. It's just a little stick. Oh, just a little whip. Right. It's, I, I think the idea is that, that, you know, a, a perfect teacher only um, pushes back as hard as you need them to push back. So when you're doing some major stuff wrong, he's going to push back majorly. Right. When you're just screwing up a little bit, you're just going to get a little bit of pushback. And it's not necessarily about the size of, of the screw up in, in terms of how many people are affected. It's like based on your like maturity your level, your maturity you have yeah. to learn and stuff like that. Yeah. And I would say, I think that goes along with scripture because it says like, for those who knew nothing about what was right or wrong, they will be punished with few stripes. But those who knew everything that there was to know, mm-hmm. they were going to be punished with many stripes. So, you know, the, the the guy who didn't have a clue about some of the things that God required, um, you know, even in the Old Testament times and stuff like that, whatever his laws were, um, I don't think he was going to get near the same type of punishment or uh, discipline that the Israelites did who knew everything exactly the way it was and they still violated it like the heck with you right and I think that same thing is today I think you from what you've learned over time would know there are certain things that are right and that are wrong for you to do from your understanding of what God's truths are right and when you go against them mm-hmm I think that you're um, you're sinning against God. Now, as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about like when I grew up, mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to go to a restaurant on Sunday because mm-hmm. that was making them work and they were causing them to break the Sabbath. And so it took me a long time to get past that. Right. Well, so the thing is like when, when you're, when we're talking about sin as transgression of your understanding of God's commands or what God wants for you, it's just like, that's still just based on your understanding. It's of arbitrary. Yeah. Because, and that's one well, of the it's things. It's not arbitrary. It's like, it, there's still a reason that, that, that you believe certain ways. And it's right. Like, no, what, what I'm saying is like, you know, like the, the reformed people wouldn't go to eat, out to eat on Sunday, but right. the Pentecostals would. Right. And so, yeah, so they both serve they both went to church but one is going to go home and one's not i remember we couldn't call long distance on sunday because we would make the operator have to to connect the call but now that computers do it i don't know our computers actually working (laughs) so but yeah those those were things and i yeah so so what where am i going with that is so it that's that's one of the things where paul says okay 
you know, I'm going to give you this piece of meat, Garrett. Mm-hmm. And we did, I, we did offer it to an idol last night, mm-hmm. but have at it, man. It's a really good steak. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hold it. If you had told me this is great steak, I'll eat it. Mm-hmm. But if you said we offered it to an idol last night, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go, well, the reason you told me that is to see if I'm actually going to eat it. Because mm-hmm. if I really love God, I'm not going to eat something that was offered to idols. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, don't tell me what you did with it. Just give me the food and mm-hmm. I'll eat it. Right? So it the context... Can I can I bring this back to the, the tithe thing for a second? Because sure. So when you're tithing, I, I, the way I've explained this to you before, like my understanding of tithing is that, you know, you spend 90% of your money serving God to the best of your ability and, and 10% of it serving God to the best of not your ability, but someone else's, like sort of God's okay. ability. Same thing with the Sabbath. You, you serve God to the best of your ability on six days a week and on the seventh day, you let, you know, you say, I don't really know how to serve God. Okay. I think that's the idea. So that, that's why I wanted to call it sin. Is like so. So to some extent, you're sinning all week in the seventh. No, day no, 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 no. You're spending all week doing your best not to sin. You're doing spending all week doing your best to live up to the pattern of what you think God wants you. To, the way you think God wants you to live your life. Mm-hmm. But one day a week, or one or ten percent of your money, God says, "Hey, your understanding of me is not quite right." So lay it down, and basically do things outside of your understanding of what sin is or, or what your understanding of perfection is. Listen to other people. Let, let your image of me update through scripture, through, through friends, through interaction, through, through not working the way that you think you ought to work, not doing things the way you ought to do, and just basically letting your pattern of being die a little bit, just to, just to a small amount, and resurrect again the next day with a, a, a slightly updated, slightly more evolved version of that ethic, that version of that emulation of God. So it's like, I, that, that's what I'm saying is like, I ha- six days a week, I have an understanding of sin and I try to live up to, to things that way. And then on the seventh day, God says, sorry, I want you to sin based on what your previous understanding of, of what sin was. Don't do things the way that you thought you needed to do them listen and let's rebuild this pattern again yeah i guess the word that you use every I know, time. I'm, I'm using it as just kind of a troll but i i <laughs> well you're doing a good job of trolling me because it's like i just that that word just like i said like bing 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 bing, bing. you can't yeah, i know sorry <laughs> it's, it's like it's just more fun to say it that way but yeah, maybe it's yeah. just like it's it's I just like break the pattern is maybe it, rather than saying sin, but it's just, I I wanted to use that word because I want to kind of get over the idea that like sinning isn't part of of not sinning, <laughs> or that like doing things that you think are wrong is not is not like sin in a, in an ultimate way. Yeah, so I think I can go along with breaking the pattern mm-hmm. that, that I can live with that definition. Right. Like, so what you did six days of the week, you know, all those different things, let's break that pattern. Let's take a rest. Yeah. My, well, I, my, my, my pattern is always to work or do whatever. So right. I can, I can live with break the pattern. The, the reason I'm, I, I think I'm interested it, in saying it that way is just because I remember recently reading Carl Jung's autobiography and he was, that was one of the, ideas. no wonder you're so screwed up right there. <laughs> well, that was one of the ideas he was playing with because he had like, 
probably not the same conversation, but it's probably a similar I- a dynamic with his with his dad, who was also a very staunch Christian. And like Carl Jung wasn't like an anti-religionist. It's just that he like had some questions and wanted to try to break stuff down. And be, but he had this idea that like that that as a nation or as a religion, we need to kind of make peace with sin or make peace with evil. And not in the sense that like in a cosmic evil of like the actual worst thing to do. It's just that there's always, we always have to tell ourselves a story about reality, about what is good and what is evil. And if we become too committed to that story and that version of what we, of what's right and what's wrong, then we're not open to the update to getting closer to what actually is what right and wrong. So we need to be open to our understanding of evil being not quite right and saying, okay, let's, let's sometimes let's take all of the behavior and put it back on the table and say, everything's okay for a minute. And we'll see, we'll have a new conversation about what we think is right and wrong or sort of through, through interacting with God, through interacting with the community, through interaction with the scripture, but we're going to put it all back on the table again. We're going to invite what we previously thought was evil back into the circle and say, I mean, maybe a good historical example of this is like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there were, well, I, I think I don't know the story that well, but I can look back to the, um, you know, people fighting for human rights movement, like way back, just even to free, free the slaves in America. Mm-hmm. People had a hard theological position that like, that it was right to own slaves, right? That that was what God wanted, mm-hmm. right? So their understanding of evil and good was that it is good to, to own slaves and to have make people your property, mm-hmm. right? And it was like, in order for, as a nation to get past that, we had to kind of invite what we thought was evil onto the table and say, maybe we don't understand what evil quite is. We're going to drop our story about, about evil and good and we're going to ask God to, let it, to help us rebuild it again. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we need to invite what it's not that we need to invite sort of actual or cosmic or like real, real sin onto the table. It's just that we never really know what sin is. So we have to invite everything back on into the room and say, okay, let's try again. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I think it's like an, it's an interesting and I think it's an important word to, to use that keyword sin or evil and say, we need to, we need to get over the idea that evil is such an untouchable thing. It's like, making peace or like bringing evil back into the picture is part of how Christ redeems us and helps us to approach his more holy way. Yeah. I, I can see that that obviously needed to happen to do with slavery. Um, I guess as a, I want to wrap things up in a minute. So you, you, you take the last word and then maybe we'll, well, I just, I see that. I see the danger in that when I see certain movements that are taking place today. Cause I see that we take things that are very definitely, as far as I can see from scripture now that are definitely anti biblical and we're putting them on the table and saying, well, you know what, maybe that doesn't. And, you know, maybe it, I think like you say, it's maybe good to put everything on the table to say, is this actually good or bad or whatever? Is this evil or not? And, and to take a look at it that but hopefully there's enough theological fiber left in um, the people that are at the table and biblical knowledge that they won't take all the stuff that I feel like I believe, you know, 
the traditional values that I hold to do with marriage and things like that, that we won't lose those things. That's where I think, I guess, I don't know if there's a fear that creeps in, but there's definitely a, a huge flag goes up and says, okay, because we start to put other things in that same um, category, you know, like sexuality and stuff like that. We just throw it all on the table and say, okay, is this okay? And uh, maybe it's okay to throw it on the table, but hopefully there's enough, um, I don't know, God sense, common sense, Bible sense that we'll, we'll be able to come to a conclusion that still lines up with what I think the Bible says. And I understand what you're saying with the Bible. People use the Bible to defend slavery and stuff like that. And so I understand where, where you come from with that. But uh, yeah, great chatting with you. Enjoyed it. <laughs> and uh, my mind, I was able to follow you and you, your definitions and stuff like that were good. So, all right, good. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. No problem. Have a good one. Well, that was interesting. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider sharing it with someone else you think might find it interesting. Even better, try to find someone you think might disagree with something here and take some time to listen to their perspective. Try to have a meaningful, good-faith conversation. Practice listening deeply and patiently and speaking clearly and precisely. I think if we can get better at this, we might actually change the world. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.